guys and welcome to a new episode of activate the amygdala and today is going to be a special episode actually and especially during this whole bullshit of quarantine and being on lockdown and everything i decided at last minute and with a lot of crackhead energy that i will upload three episodes tonight don't know how don't ask me no idea how i'm gonna do it or if i even have the brain cells to do it (laughs) but anyways i want to get straight to the point our first topic for today is going to be greasy swat teams are involved somewhat religion and racism can you guess what it is i'll give you a minute mcdonald's massacre yeah i've never heard of such a thing until i was scrolling around crazy stories on websites and i saw that and i was like i got to do that bitch and yeah let's get it started now before we talk about the actual murder and all the swat teams and everything let's talk about james oliver huberty 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 I don't know how to fuck pronounce it. He doesn't deserve to have it pronounced the right way. I don't give a fuck. So born in Canton, Ohio. On Canton, Canton. I don't care. Fight me. Look for me. At me. Because whatever. On October 11th, 1942. James Oliver Huberty. Puberty, Huberty, Puberty. Contracted polio when he was three years old. Which it left him with a pretty you know, bad, permanent walking disability. So in the, around 1950s, his mother, who was extremely religious fanatic, abandoned him by refusing to move to the Amish County in Pennsylvania. So he was left with his father who raised him and he grew up lonely and resentful. He was a boy who his only company was his dog and who's only, and he only found an interest in firearms. During when he was growing up, Huberty became pretty interested in firearms and he started to use them. In 1962, he attended Malone College. It was a Jewish community college where he obtained a bachelor's degree in sociology. And he also learned license to embalm after attending the Pittsburgh Institute of Mortuary Science, which is actually pretty fucking cool. You know, I mean, I'm not about this kid so far, but I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. Although he did not get a job as an embalmer. So at the age of 23, at the Institute, he met a woman named Etna, Etna Mode, and married her in 1965. Having two daughters, Zelia and Cassandra, Huberty and Etna moved with their family to Mesa Leon, Ohio, at me because I don't know how to say it, fight me, where he found his first job as Undertaker. Um, not sure what that is. Sounds like a wrestler, whatever. He also had a number of other jobs that he pretty much lost pretty quickly. So the family then moved to Huberty's hometown, Canton. After a fire completely demolished his entire residency, and then he became a welder. Huberty and Etna had a history of domestic violence and both showed signs of pretty violent behavior. 
Etna tried to instruct Zelia to physically assault a classmate during a birthday party and then threatened the same classmate's mother with a 9mm pistol. That's pretty boss. <laughs> she was later arrested for the act, but then the pistol was never confiscated. And after the whole violent incidents involving Huberty and Etna, the local police knew the family well. In 1983, Huberty was involved in a motorcycle accident that left his right arm co to um, contracting uncontrollably. As a result, he was forced to to quit his occupation as a welder. He later he had some legal problems after a failed sale of a six-unit apartment complex in Canton. So afterwards, in response to the motorcycle accident that he suffered in 1984, the family moved to Tijuana, Mexico. But later moved to San Ysidro, a suburb of San Diego. There, he became a security guard. But the job, it didn't, he didn't, he couldn't keep it for that long. His family was forced to move repeatedly to increasingly decadent apartments. So let's get to um, the good part. So a day before the massacre actually happened, Huberty called a mental health center but his last name was recorded as Shuberty and his name and his call was never returned due to this that it was not an emergency. Uh, and on July 18th, 1984, on the day of the actual massacre, he took his family to the San Diego Zoo and then ate at a McDonald's restaurant in the Claremont neighborhood. It wasn't McDonald's that was going to be the site of the massacre. Soon after, when they arrived home, Huberty reached the end of the line. Quote, that society had its chance. He, that's what he told his wife. So a few hours later, Huberty armed himself with all his weaponry, dressed in camouflage pants and a black shirt. The And his wife asked him where he was going. And he said, hunting human beings. Hunting human beings. Bitch, what? <laughs> I mean, at that point... If so, you know what, I'm going to keep going. So during this interrogation, Edna gave no explanation as to why she did not consider saying anything to her husband or reporting him. She also failed to cite, um, she also cited the failed Canton Real estate deal as the main driver of the massacre. So after visiting a supermarket and a post office, apparently looking for places to commit this whole massacre, Huberty decided to choose San Isidro's McDonald's as his target. I mean, at this point, like, we've all been through it. And, you know, I've had my moments that, yeah, I would get pissed at a fast food restaurant if it didn't give me my fucking order. You know how many times I went back and I was like, bitch, where the fuck's my fucking sweet and sour? And I wanted to get out of my car and drag a bitch by her hair or fucking, you know fight ronald mcdonald and all that but you know what i wouldn't want to the point that i'm like do i really want to shoot this bitch over some fries i mean i'm a big bitch i probably would but i'm also like a thousand pounds and i could never jump over the counter i'd probably slip off but at this point <laughs> i don't know where i was going with that so uh, when he was walking down San Isidro Avenue with his weapons in sight, which I don't understand how nobody really noticed at this point that this was happening. Um, a witness saw him and they called the police. Somebody smart, thank God. He was literally pulling a GTA, like just hanging out with weapons and just, <laughs> just, just willy nilly. You know, I'm just going to go hunt people. 
he accidentally gave them the wrong address. The, the, the people that called the witness gave him the wrong address. Like, how much of a dumb fuck can you be? So, anyways, Huberty entered the restaurant at about 3.40 p.m. And ordered everyone inside to lie down. When everyone did what he ordered them to do, he opened fire, injured, and killed a shit ton of people. 75 minutes later, 21 people were pronounced dead. A lot of them were children. 19 others were injured. So a total of 257 bullets were fired by Huberty during the massacre. It did not stop until the SWAT team had to come and snipe. Uh, the SWAT sniper Chuck Foster fired a shot that pierced a glass window and hit Huberty in the heart, killing him instantly. So, uh, I did it. I, I found some audio when it comes to this, and I'm gonna play it a little bit. Um, and if you guys want to look it up, um, I don't think it's on YouTube. I think if you just Google it. If you just Google 1984 San Isidro, Isidro's McDonald's Massacre, there's like a few pictures of like the aftermath. It's a little, it's, um, you know, warning if people you get upset over sensitive content or blood or dead children. Um, not, a, not to sound like an asshole, but, you know, don't see it. But, you know, just look it up if you really are curious about that. And I'm going to uh, play the audio here. It was July 18, 1984. Shots erupted inside a crowded San Isidro McDonald's. Filmmaker Charlie Men's documentary, 77 Minutes, recounts the tragedy. The murderer was firing away for 77 minutes. Men decidedly focuses on the victims. Victims should never be uh, looked upon as a statistic. In this case, um, I think they were. There were 40 people shot. I don't think um, most San Diegans can name even one victim. 21 people were murdered. Another 19 shot but survived. The victims range in age from 8 months to 74 years old. And every second's critical here because we have a guy inside of McDonald's by the border just firing away at everybody. Babies, children, pregnant women. Men spoke to 12 survivors. We had one individual walk up to the killer to try to have him change his mind. Uh, incredible uh, bravery there. He was shot 14 times as a result and murdered. We had a, a stranger uh, who was handed uh, a baby by one of the wounded victims. 77 Minutes examines why it took law enforcement so long to take down the shooter, James Hubbardy. Men also spoke to police who remember that day. I think the film is fair and balanced. Uh, it comes from the police's point of view, the victim's point of view. And at the end, we all have an opinion at the end. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and just wanted to remind you, you could follow me on Instagram, which is amygdala95. It's also the same handle as my Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on, not Snapchat, I'm still trying to change that at the moment. And you can find me on anywhere, podcasts are available. And I also have a website. It is valswebsite.com. Com. Yes, very creative. I couldn't think of shit of what to put. If you want, follow me there. I also have a Threadless store if you guys want merch. There's a shit ton of them right there too. I It's Threadless um, forward slash activate the amygdala if you want that merch. And we'll see you soon. Bye.